Welcome everybody. This is episode 13 of our study on Romans and it's likely to be about the beginning or the middle of May when you come to this episode and we'll be praying that you have a great experience in your life groups in this middle term of the year. Episode 13, Romans chapter 11 verses 1 to 10. That's what we're going to be looking at today and Trevor did an excellent job of summarizing the end of 8, 9 and 10 to set up this particular chapter. So what I'd like you to do is to um, have a look at your screen and hit pause and follow the instructions that you find there which will stimulate a little bit of discussion and a gathering of knowledge. Israel was exceptionally honored by God as his chosen nation and yet it was beset by unbelief. What was the reason for this? And Paul addresses this question in chapters 9 and 10 and now also in 11. And it was not because God was either unjust or unfaithful, but it was due to, first of all, his purpose in election. Secondly, Israel's stumbling over Christ and their rejection of God's persistent advances. Remember that picture of God holding out, literally holding out his arms and just saying, please come to me. But today, Paul begins to explore the implications of Israel's disobedience. This is a very significant question. What effect will this disobedience have on the rest of mankind? Because we're going to find out that it has a very powerful effect. To set the scene, he's going to establish that there is still a loyal Israelite minority, and Paul refers to them as a remnant. This remnant has accepted Christ in the present. And then, since that is the case, there will be an Israelite recovery in the future, which will itself lead to blessing for the whole world. In the first part of this episode, we're going to have a look at the present situation, focusing on the remnant, and then in the second part, the present situation, focusing on the rest. Let's look, first of all, at evidence for a remnant. Paul asks in verse 1, has God rejected his people? By no means. And then he goes on to supply four pieces of evidence to back his assertion that God has not rejected his people. This does not mean that God is so fed up with Israel that he will have nothing more to do with them. The first piece of evidence is personal. In verse 1b, he says, For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. In other words, his roots go right down into the heart of the Jewish people. And at least one Israelite has not rejected God, Paul himself. So there's the first piece of evidence. The second piece of evidence is theological. Verse 2, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. And that word foreknew means to love in advance or to forelove and to choose in advance. So Paul is saying that if God foreknew his people, if he loved them from the beginning um, in the sense that he had chosen them, then he could never reject his people. Personal evidence, theological evidence, then biblical evidence. 
It comes from the story of Elijah. Elijah has been at odds with King Ahab and his queen Jezebel. They have misled the entire nation so that almost everybody is worshipping Baal. Elijah has a showdown with the prophets of Baal and with the nation itself on the top of Mount Carmel, which leads to the slaughter of hundreds of priests of Baal. But then Jezebel says that she is going to kill Elijah as a result of the showdown. And so he flees. He loses his mind a little bit, flees right out into the desert where he is feeling discouraged and depressed. Verse 2b. Uh, this is the biblical evidence from the story of Elijah. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel in his depressed state. Lord, they've killed your prophets. They've demolished your altars. And I alone am left and they seek my life. He'd lost perspective. But what was God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In other words, God had reserved for himself, even at that time, a remnant. And then Paul provides contemporary evidence. He writes, so too at the present time, just as it was the case in the time of Elijah, so too at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Paul was not the only Jew to have believed. Elijah was not the only one. Shortly after writing Romans, Paul returned to Jerusalem for the last time, and this is what Luke wrote. Luke was traveling with him. Acts 21 verse 17. When we had come to Jerusalem, Luke, Paul, and the others that were traveling, the brothers in Jerusalem received us gladly. On the following day, Day, Paul went in with us to James. James was the leader of the believers in Jerusalem and all the elders were present. After greeting them he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, James and the rest of the elders, they glorified God. And then they responded and they said to him, you see brother how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who had believed. So there was a remnant and Paul provides these four different types of evidence to prove that there was an, a remnant. But what was the defining feature of this remnant? Verse 5, so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. The original Greek phrase rendered as chosen can be translated literally as according to election. It's the same phrase that was used in chapter 9 verse 11 where it describes God's choice of Jacob rather than Esau. Chosen according to election. And so the defining feature of the remnant is that they are according to the election of grace. Meaning that God in his grace chose them. He chose them by grace. And then Paul clarifies what this means by writing in verse 6, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace would no longer be grace. You can either be chosen by grace 
or you can be chosen on the basis of works. This remnant has been chosen according to grace. At this stage, please would you hit pause and answer the following questions allowed to stimulate a little bit of discussion amongst your group. So, to summarize so far, one, God had not rejected all of Israel because there was a remnant that had accepted him. And we've examined the evidence that Paul supplies to back this up. And number two, the defining feature of the remnant was that God had chosen them by grace, chosen according to grace. But what about the rest of Israel? What about those who did not belong to the remnant? And that's what we're going to look at now. We've had a look at the present situation, the remnant. Now we're going to have a look at the present situation, the rest. Verse 7, what then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. Israel, as a whole, failed to obtain what it was seeking. What were they seeking? They were seeking right standing, right relationship with God. However, the remnant who Paul refers to in verse 7 as the elect, they did. They did receive right standing with God through grace. But why didn't the rest obtain it? Because they were hardened. Have we, does that ring any bells with you? You? Have you, have you heard that concept of hardening before? Yes, of course we have. We heard about it in chapter 9. Now, verse 7 begs the question, who was it who hardened the rest? And verse 8 tells us. Let's see whether it confirms what we learned in chapter 9. God gave them a spirit of stupor. Who gave them a spirit of stupor? Who hardened them? God did. Eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. Once again, please just hit pause and answer the questions that are on your screen and discuss your answers. Now, verse 8 is a combination of two quotes from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 29 verse 2 and Isaiah 29 verse 10. To gain a better understanding of what Paul's getting at here, I'd like you to pause and read Isaiah 29 verses 10 to 13 together and maybe read it one or two times. In Isaiah 29, Isaiah is prophesying about what is going to happen to Israel. But though he's prophesying for everyone to hear, it's a public prophecy, it'll be as if he never had said what he'd said. It would be as if his prophecy had remained sealed in a scroll. We see that in verse 11. Why? Because the people would be hardened to it. They would have eyes that didn't see, they had ears that didn't hear. You can see how well this evidence backs up what Paul has been saying. Back to today's passage, verse 9. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing when your table of provision... I think the table in a household is sort of a symbol of security and provision. Imagine if even that 
source of security and provision becomes a snare and a trap. Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Judgment. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. Eternal judgment. The eternal carrying of a load. Bend their backs forever. These verses, verses 9 and 10, speak of the judgment that God has and will bring on the rest of Israel. It's a quote from Psalm 69. This psalm was a prayer of a person experiencing persecution. And Jesus actually applied this particular psalm to himself. You can check it out in John chapter 15, verse 25. You'll see there it's a quotation of Psalm 69, verse 4. And the psalmist is appealing to God's justice and asking him to punish his persecutors. It's worth noting that Jews who stumbled over Jesus often became violent persecutors of those who had put their trust in Jesus. So once again, please would you pause and follow the instructions on your screen. Folks, in closing, I trust that this has been a, an excellent time of learning together. You may not necessarily have found answers to all these questions, but this is really to get your mind working, um, getting yourself to think in the way that the Bible wants you to think, um, having your, your, your beliefs and your thinking shaped by the Bible, shaped by Paul um, and the things that he says. And I trust that it has been an excellent time for you. It is so good to know that there is still a remnant in Israel. And we look forward to next week when we're going to learn how the return of Israel to, to Christ in large numbers is going to be a blessing for us as the whole world, even as Gentiles. It's also good to know that as God deals with the whole of mankind, there is a remnant. You may think that you're alone. You may think that there are, there's nobody in your circle of friends, that there is no one that God has softened to himself and that is drawing, he is drawing towards himself. That is simply not true. He always has a remnant in every generation, in every family. And uh, these things were encouraging to Elijah. Paul had used them to encourage himself. And we also should use them to encourage ourselves as well. Well, goodbye for now. And uh, trust that you will uh, sign in for our next episode, episode 14, which will be led by Trevor Loudenstall. Goodbye. <music>